The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. What do you do when life throws you a curveball? Hey, listeners, welcome to In the Arena. Leah and Jackie here. And, you know, today we're starting off with what was a very hard week last week at LinkedIn. There was an announcement of layoffs, and Leah and I, collectively with our colleagues and our peers, have been working through what this looks like for, for all of us. And it really got us thinking about the curveballs that life throws at us. And you know, Leah, we look at 2020 in general. I'd say the pandemic has been quite the curveball. But losing a job, a pandemic, these are just two examples of what life throws at us. Life is not this fantasy, fairy tale, everything goes perfect. I think we all want it to be that way and wish it were that way, but unfortunately, it's just not. Curveballs could be anything from relationships ending abruptly to getting a poor health diagnosis to losing a loved one suddenly. And unfortunately, we've all experienced this. And it's really tough and it's hard to wrap our heads around what to do during these times. So we thought today that we'd talk about what do you do when life throws you curveballs? Because what we know is that it's just impossible to control anything and having some sort of process or structure to work through this is could be helpful for all of us. Yeah, Jackie, I mean, no need to echo everything you said, but I, I definitely have felt some of the some of the pain from, you know, the last six months. And then of course from the layoff announcements of colleagues, friends, and peers who have either lost their jobs or are experiencing the ripple effect of of the layoffs. And so I think this is a really important conversation for us to have for anyone who's going through any issue in their lives that feels like a curveball or another concept that we found, which is called life quakes, which we really loved because, you know, not every painful experience is one you weren't expecting. Sometimes it's sometimes the really painful ones are the ones that you've known were coming and then they have to come to an end. So Jackie and I found a book called Life is in the Transitions by Bruce Feiler. And he talks about this amazing concept of life quakes. And it was just released this year. And really what it's about is helping us all understand, as Jackie mentioned, that life is not linear. Life is not perfect. And throughout our lives, we all face you know, daily disruptions. But then some of these life quakes, which are massive changes that lead to a life transition. And some of these are positive, which is fantastic. So things like getting married or having kids, but many life quakes don't feel so good. And, you know, that's part of the human experience. And I think that's, we think, and we know that that is, it's something that we all have to be prepared for. And actually, the more we can accept that this is something that's going to be a part of our daily experience or our lived experience, the better we can get at handling it. And I think what we want to do today is just start to unravel some of the the fantasy that often we live in around life and how we've been trained to believe life 
is and actually start to embrace the beauty that life is, which is full of life quakes and curveballs. So something cool that Bruce Filo shares is that we all have dozens of these in our lives. So, you know, sometimes it feels like that one you're experiencing is the most painful thing ever. But when you look back, you realize that maybe you've had some before. And so we really want to just talk about what it's like to be in the midst of this, the importance of actually processing it, and then what to do after. You know, something that's coming to my mind is that, quote, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I also believe that there's so much acceptance. And I think you use that word accepting with all of this, you know, and when we talk about how we've worked through our own life quakes and something that has worked for us is, is writing really and, and writing through all of the emotions that we're feeling and the thoughts in our head and really trying to make sense of that, there is a true step in acceptance and what that looks like to help you get to that other side. And so today we want to introduce what we call the three S's, and those are stay, shift, and signify. Now, all of this is around writing and reflection. Now, Leah and I on our podcast, we've spoken about our own life quakes, and so we don't want to rehash those for our listeners who, who know us pretty well at this point. But both of us have really leaned on this journaling practice to help us get through some of the toughest times in our life. And what, you know, I love about Bruce Feiler and what he says is that these life quakes aren't voluntary most of the time, you know, but choosing to move through that life transition and getting yourself to the other side and getting yourself to a place that is bigger and better and greater. He talks a lot about creativity and what can come out when we actually decide to move forward. And a lot of that starts with that acceptance piece. It is incredible what can really come out of this. And so I want to start to kick us off with this first step, which is around stay. And stay, what we mean by this is really allowing yourself to be where you are in that moment, allowing yourself to process. Because what we see is that when we don't process, when we don't actually move through the emotions, they stick within us and they are never actually released unless we proactively take that, that, that action to go ahead and release them. Yeah, and I, one of the like ways that this shows up for for if you're thinking about stay, the idea of actually sitting here is that most of the time when we go through negative emotions, lots of us, uh, myself included, move to quickly go around it, go past it, avoid it, and not experience it because we're afraid of pain. And what you know, what happens is you find, and and like Jackie said, you know, emotion is actually stored in the body. And what happens is emotion gets stored and then it comes out elsewhere, right? So it's not like emotion, your anger gets stored or your sadness gets stored and it dissipates. It's the reason that you get mad at somebody about, you know, something a week ago and the following week you're yelling at the cash, at person at the cash register at the coffee shop, or you're writing something nasty to your boss that didn't deserve it. 
what happens is we, and I believe, I think Brene Brown talks about this is the chandelier effect, but it's really that when we don't sit with our emotions and just let ourselves be with it to process it, we don't come out better on the other side. We come out with more negative emotions that are bringing us down. And we don't have to go into this, Jackie, today, but one of the things that comes out of negative emotions is also disease, which is broken down to dis-ease. And it's dis-ease in the body and the body and the mind are connected. So this is the reason that this part is so important. And while you know we're gonna talk about what to do in the after, it's really about staying in that moment and being with whatever's going on with you. There's an amazing book called You Can Heal Your Life, which is based on this entire concept. Um, And she uses a lot of affirmations in terms of releasing what is stuck physically in your body, but really manifests itself through outward emotion. And it is the emotions that that get stuck and really understanding how your mind, your body, your gut are all connected. That I can't recommend that book uh, more more highly. But I think what, what Leah and I, and we've talked about this, Leah, is how big of an impact journaling has had on both of our lives in terms of a lot of the releasing. And I often think about like, what is it about journaling? There is something very cathartic about writing in terms of when you're not thinking about what you're writing, but you're actually just allowing yourself to be and write down whatever you want and whatever comes on to the page. There is a form of release that gets done. I know for me, when I have moments of frustration or agitation and I feel like I need to either meditate is a good way for me to kind of get through that. But journaling is another piece. I could pick up my journal and just write for 10 minutes with really no intention about what I want to get out of it or any, you know, any goal in terms of questions I'm asking myself. It's just writing is actually a a wonderful, wonderful release. I think in terms of what we're talking about today and it comes to journaling, is really being a little bit more thoughtful about when you're in this stay position of this structure that we are talking about is being a little bit more thoughtful about what you want to journal. Not to say it's not helpful to journal and release unintentionally, but to really think through what powerful questions are. And as coaches, we both know that powerful questions is really what makes an amazing, amazing coach. A powerful question is something that starts typically with the word what rather than a why, right? We're not looking back at the past and and really trying to justify reasoning behind a certain aspect or outcome, but a what question actually allows us to think bigger, to kind of explore a potential insight that we haven't explored before. And so we want to really share some of these powerful questions that we've put together in this stay category for you to all take part in. So the first question, so there are three to each of the categories and within stay, I'm going to read actually all three questions at once and then we can kind of have a conversation about it. So the questions to journal when you're going through a hard time, a curveball has been thrown at you, a life quake has taken place and you want to really process it. These are three questions that you can journal about. The first one is, what am I experiencing right now? The second is, What's hard about this? And the third is, what do I need right now? 
So when you're thinking about some of these questions, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about them, but what you may have noticed is how short the questions are. So powerful questions start with what, like Jackie said, they can also start with how. They're open-ended. They're normally less than five words. So we've got to keep it really simple and easy. And you will find that you have some incredible answers that come out of you when you start to journal this. I don't know about you, Jackie, but I feel like even as you and I were thinking through these questions, I was like, oh yeah, there's a lot of good stuff that can come out of just writing about what am I experiencing right now? Yeah. But what I love about less than five words, because even as a coach, sometimes I'll ask questions like these to my clients and they're, they want more. They're like, well, well, what do you mean? Or like, I need it to be more specific. And that's the point, right? You want to think bigger. You want to see what comes up for you without necessarily being told from a very focused point where to look. You want to be thinking expansively. Yeah. And with the first question, what am I experiencing right now? Just to clarify a little bit, because we recognize like we're both coaches. So we're always asking questions like this and answering questions like this. So we're sort of trained with an eye on how to or an ear on how to respond But what am I experiencing right now can include a lot of things. So when you are sad about something, you're experiencing sadness, right? So you can share about your feelings, but there are also things that happen with our bodies. So, you know, Jackie and I talk a lot about this, like mind, body, soul connection, but it's it's actually true. Like your mind and your body are wildly connected. Your body keeps a lot of information. And so when you, for me, for example, when I'm experiencing anxiety, my body sensation is I have tightness in my chest. I can feel it. If I tune in, I have that tightness. Or when I'm meditating, I can feel a really strange kind of energy in my feet and my legs. So it's uh, we're often not really trained to be totally in tune with our bodies unless you're like a dancer or you've done something that's like very body conscious. For me, at least, I used to be like, I don't get it. So just so you know, like as you start to pay attention to this more, you'll notice how your body shifts when certain things are happening, something as simple as like being in stress. If you're about to speak publicly, you'll notice probably your shoulders are really high up and you can bring them down. That's that's a reaction in your body to something that's happening in your mind. Yeah. And one of the benefits of journaling is just bringing more clarity to the experience. And clarity is what's really needed when you're answering all of these questions. But in this first question specifically, because there has to be some sort of awareness in the interconnectivity of your mind, your body, and your gut. The second question, what's hard about this? There's going to be a lot that's probably hard, and some aspects of it may be really challenging for you to face. And I, the recommendation here would be to be as honest with yourself as possible, Only you are reading this. This is just for you. And to really put out there what you are thinking, what you are feeling is going to give you the most bang for your buck, so to speak, when you're looking through moving to the next phase around shift. And when it comes to what do I need right now, this could vary, right? This could be anything from I just need time. I need space to be with my loved ones. I need a bath. I need anything, right? I need to go for a run. It it could be anything that you need right now. But it really, when I was thinking about this question, it got me thinking just about how important self-care is. You know, part I think part of I think avoiding some of this is just going out and doing and being with other people and doing your day-to-day tasks and crossing off your to-do list. But a lot of this is actually pausing 
and 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 this is all about reflection right through writing and self-care when you have that mental clarity to say what do i need right now you can think about what's going to fill me up what's going to bring me back to to me to really feeling at my best we actually talk about this leah in one of our episodes i i think it's episode 16 don't quote me on that listeners but it's uh the you at your best episode where we talk about our list of things that kind of bring us back to feeling ourselves take a look at that list if you created it or go ahead and create it it could be really helpful to get through some of these challenging times yeah and like jackie said anything can be on it and really it's it's for you it has nothing to do with anyone else it's about what's going to give you either a moment, like I, so my list, for example, sometimes there are things as like nice and in depth as taking a bath, but sometimes I don't have time to do that. So it might just be that I'm just taking a breath. I'm spending 60 seconds just breathing, or I'm literally going to look out the window for, you know, for 30 seconds, or I'm going to go on a quick walk around the corner to just grab a coffee. And that can just help me get a little bit more present. And so, so you want to kind of take, make that list work for you because you're not going to be able to do some of the more luxurious things all the time, and you're still going to be able to use it and get something out of it. So part of the, the processing here and part of the importance of staying here and the reason that we're even staying here and sort of giving you all a much more drawn out version of, of what these questions mean is what Jackie alluded to, which is most of the time we spring into action when something happens, right? So something, we get thrown a curveball, we have a life quake, and we just get moving. Whatever it is we can do, we get moving. And while it's incredible to take action and super important, one of the most powerful things you can do, and Jackie and I you know, know this as coaches, is deepen your learning before you start forwarding your action. So deepening your learning means understanding more about yourself. It means staying with where you are right now. It means allowing this to be here. And I look at this as like, before you take action, there's that space between. Like it's really it's really allowing yourself to understand, let yourself kind of intuitively know how long you need to stay in this place. So we've all had hard experiences where, you know, somewhere we've moved on really quickly and others where we haven't. You think about like a breakup. Sometimes you stay there for eight months. Sometimes you stay there for a year. Sometimes you stay there for a month. Sometimes you're, you were over it before it ended. And so you're, you're done. But everybody's got their own kind of way of figuring out when it's time to take the next step and move forward. But I equate it to like cooking your favorite dish. I don't, I'm not, okay, first of all, I'm not an amazing cook. I am totally one of those people who's like a baker. I follow everything on the recipe like list perfectly because I'm like, I don't want to mess it up. But for my friends who are cooks and people, listeners who are cooks, you know, you don't sit there and look at the recipe. You just know what goes into the dish and you just know when it's done, when you're cooking it. And so it's a similar kind of thing when you think about the transition from being in the place of staying and processing into actually shifting into the next place. Like, I know we were talking about this, but how do you go about thinking about it? Because I think you and I have different approaches to when it's time to move forward. Well, I, I love the cooking analogy and like knowing when to take something out of the oven. That is not me. I am the most precise. I set a timer. I need to follow the recipe to a T. And pretty much that's how I do a lot of things in my life. So when I think about space between moving from stay to shift and really processing, you know, I do question like, how do I know, right? Like how much space there should be? How do I know when I'm ready to move forward? You know, we talked a little bit about accept acceptance, but a practice that I like to do, and not just with 
you know, acceptance, but I do this with a lot of things to really assess for myself where I'm at is I use a scale of zero to 10 to see where I'm at. So I bring up acceptance because really in order to move into quote unquote action, right, which is the shift, but we're going to talk a little bit about the difference between doing an action, but also like moving things internally within you emotionally and having that emotional shift. But let's talk about acceptance for a moment. I would ask myself on a scale of zero to 10, where am I in terms of acceptance of where I'm at? If I am at a seven, which is pretty good, I still want to ask myself, well, well, what am I missing? What are those three points that could get me to a 10? But but what is in those three points? And then really journal that out, right? Like wh- what is the gap that I'm feeling right now? What is holding me back from truly accepting where I'm at so that I can take the intentional choice to move forward into a grand shift? I love this practice of, of a zero to 10 because you it's not hard, right? Like it's so easy to ask yourself, where am I in a zero to 10 on anything? Because you kind of just know the hard part is then taking it, you know, one, two, three steps a little bit deeper and really assessing, well, where is that gap? And then how can I go ahead and fill that gap? Yeah. And I love that you share like the, where is the gap is so powerful. Like what's the gap? So, you know, when, whenever you're trying to move yourself forward, there's always a gap, right? We don't, we don't have a desire to move towards something if we already feel like we're at a 10. So if you ever have that experience in your life in any area, there's a gap. If you feel like you're at a five and you want to be at a 10, that's a good thing because you've now identified that there's something you're wanting to move towards that hasn't happened yet. So this is also just an exercise in self-awareness, which I love of just understanding more about who you are. And what you can do is you can say, like Jackie said, you know, do a quick list. What's inside that three point gap? What would need to happen for me to get to a 10 from a seven? And maybe that means going back to some of those initial journaling questions, going back to what am I experiencing right now? What's hard about this? What do I need? But really at the end of the day, what you need to understand too is processing and going through this whole thing it's not always perfect. It's not always going to be that within a day, you're going to feel better about your experience or two days. Sometimes journaling takes multiple days or even months. Like no one can actually decide how long it's going to take for you to get through this. So also just have some patience in your, your with yourself and, and self-compassion in how long or short of a period of time it might be. One of the other things you might experience is comparison, right? You might be looking around and seeing friends who seem like they're moving on quickly or they're sad for much longer than you are. Your journey and your your processing is just different than other people. So no one's going to mirror exactly how you feel at every moment. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Now, when you're at that point and you're like, all right, I'm ready to kind of move forward. I'm feeling like from an acceptance perspective and a processing perspective, I've gotten where I need to be. This is step two. So we're talking about the shift. So we started with stay and now there's a shift. And to be really clear, when we talk about shifting, it's both an emotional and physical shift. 
So what's important is that we focus on the emotion first, and then we can focus on the action. You're naturally going to want to take action. That's what we do. We want to move to do something. But what we really want to think about is purposefully and intentionally deciding about where we are emotionally and letting ourselves shift there because that will naturally lead into action. Now, the caveat you know, to this too is sometimes you're going to have to take an action on a circumstance that requires you to do it, but you're not ready emotionally, right? So this step is really to support you in shifting both emotionally and physically. And so some of the questions you can think about first and foremost is where do I want to be emotionally? How do you want to feel? And just, you don't have to write, you know, paragraphs. You could like write bullet points. So that's first, where do I want to be emotionally? Second is given the circumstance, right? So that's accepting. What do I want now? And then the third is one of my favorites. I am totally action prone. So even in the conversation before Jackie and I did this, I had to like stop trying to act. But now once you've journaled those two, it's what's one small step forward I can take now. The emphasis is on small and forward. So one of the challenges is we try to sometimes just rip off the bandaid and do 14 different things. Start with something small that will take you one step forward in the direction you want to go. And on the first question about where do I want to be emotionally, when you write that all down, you really want to assess, well, where are you currently at? And if you did first the first step of stay well, you should be very well on your way to getting yourself to a place emotionally that you want to be at. If you're still finding that there's a gap, go back to step one around stay and try and do a little bit more of releasing that way. And think about what maybe other than journaling, right, you may need to help release some of those thoughts. And again, bring yourself back to that self-care list. And also on the second question around what do I want now, this is all about future in terms of what do you want to create? What do you want? Like what is really going to bring you fulfillment moving forward? And being very clear and honest about what you want helps you define where you want to be. If you don't know where you want to be or what you want, you will never get there. And so really taking the time to think about what you want. And I just want to double down, Leah, on what you said around doing the emotional piece first, even though at times we may have to take action pretty quickly, but really making sure that we're going back and and doing this emotionally. When you think about what do I want now, a lot of times it could be, you know, external things, right? I want, you know, to get a new job at a certain company, or I want a new relationship. But then the emotional side would really be, well, what do I want for myself internally, right? I want peace. I want safety. I want comfort. I want beauty, right? So kind of looking at it from both ends of like, what do you want on the external, but internally, what do you want for yourself? Really, really critical to understand and differentiate between those two. Something I also want to share because I when my father passed away I was sent this TED talk and I it really changed my life in terms of just giving me a whole new perspective around moving forward versus moving on. So I just want to share it with our listeners because I I've spoken to many people who've watched this even people who haven't lost loved ones. Her experience is about losing loved ones, but it's called uh we don't move on from grief, we move forward with it. It's by a woman named Nora and it's a really cool perspective around not forgetting the past, right? And not not saying, okay, this didn't happen. 
and I'm going to move on. It's taking it with you and taking all the good, all the bad, and bringing it forward with you so that you can move on. It's not forgetting. It is moving forward. Just wanted to share that. If you want to Google it, it's a TED Talk. Uh, I just thought it was wonderful and and, and uh, could be a great resource for everyone. So let's move on to the third step around signify. So we've had stay was the first, shift was the second, and the last step is signify. And this is crucial because it's all around the significance and the meaning of what happened and how it has played a role in your life and how it will do so moving forward. So what we mean by signify is really looking at what the purpose of this was in your life and really honing in on how is it happening for you instead of you. So that's actually the first question. So let me share the the three questions to journal right now. So the first question is, how might this be happening for me instead of to me? The second question is, what am I learning from this? Or what did I learn from this? And the third question is, how might my biggest fan tell this story? And then write that story down. So one of the things that I want to focus on for the question number one is the for me instead of to me. This simple shift in words can make a huge difference in the perspective or the way that you are reframing what happened. So much of us play victim, right? And even if it's something that was completely out of our control that happened, we can look at it as happening for you, meaning there is meaning into why this is happening versus when it happens to you, it's really playing that victim card. When it comes to question number two, what am I learning from this or what did I learn? This could really be anything. This could be about yourself, This could be what you learned about others. This could be what you learned about circumstances. This can really run the gamut here. And then the third question, which I just love because it kind of takes you outside of yourself. How might my biggest fan tell this story? First of all, your biggest fan can be anyone. It doesn't even have to be a person that exists. It's just someone who is looking at you and just thinks the world and so highly of you but it's taking it from their perspective. So you're no longer writing about yourself from from your perspective. It's someone else who's telling that story. One of the reasons that Jackie and I chose signify or meaning is the Kubler-Ross model for the five stages of grief was recently edited to add meaning. And so there are actually now six stages of grief. And I remember reading the Harvard Business Review article about this at the beginning of you know, shelter in place when COVID was really starting to impact the US. And it just made so much sense. Like I felt such a sense of relief to say that at the end of our grief, not only do we accept it, but we find meaning. And, you know, personally, meaning is an incredibly important thing in in my life. And I see how it shifts the way that people around me also live theirs. So it's incredibly important that at whatever point you find meaning. Now, what's what's even more important is not to rush to it. I'd consider myself an optimist, sometimes to a fault. And this is why this part of the process is not one that comes quickly. Because although optimism is incredibly important, so is being with what's going on. So meaning will come 
but don't rush and bypass the other steps to create the meaning so that you feel better. It's just another way to skip the steps of feeling the pain. So it's really important to, to kind of understand the why that there is truly that sixth stage of grief that exists that allows us to sort of wrap things up and say, okay, there's meaning here. It was awful or painful, but there was something that came out of it that was for me. And that's part of the reason that that first question is so valuable. How is this happening for me instead of to me? And one of the things that we've talked about and we talk a lot about as coaches is, you know, oftentimes when we're in our experience, we are so zoomed in on what's happening right now and today and how painful it is that we can't see the bigger picture. And so one of our favorite ways to think about this is something called MetaView. And MetaView is something in coaching that we talk about where if you imagine your life as a path, a big winding path, and you were watching yourself from 30,000 feet above that path, what would you say about this moment in time, knowing how much path is behind you and how much is in front of you? You would probably recognize whenever I do this for myself, I recognize that the moment I'm in is just a moment and that in three months, five months in a year, I will look back on it and I will feel differently. And one of the ways that I try to bring this to daily life, because I'm not using MetaView all the time, is something my acupuncturist used to always say when I would share things with her that were going on. She'd always say, you'll feel differently in 30 days. And at first I didn't get it. And then I started noticing, wait a minute, 30 days later, I always feel differently. Sometimes it's just seven days later. Sometimes it's a week, like oh, not seven days is a week. Sometimes it's two weeks later. But the point is really getting clear on the fact that we often feel like something happening in our life means the rest of our life is totally over or it's gonna be screwed. When in reality, if we looked at it from 30,000 feet and thought about it, even from the perspective of life quakes, you would see how many life quakes you've had and that each life quake is actually putting you on a path that's for the highest good. You just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. This is one of the most comforting theories or concepts, I'd say, that I that I learned because I've really applied it to my life. And you can apply it to really anything that's happened. I mean, my biggest life quake, as many listeners know, was you know, going through a divorce and having, you know, a life transformation. And when I learned about this view in coaching, I remember saying, wow, I can look back on my seven and a half year relationship and say, that was only seven and a half years of my life, right? I can be 30,000 feet foot view and say, well, I plan to live to at least a hundred. So if it's only seven and a half years of my life, I'm good. I have an entire life ahead of me to really move forward and grow from this. When you look at this shell that we put in place, the three S's, stay, shift, signify, you really want to come out of this bigger and better and greater than you were before. Now, that may be hard to look at right now if you're going through something really difficult in your life. And I don't want to take, Lee and I, neither of us want to take away the pain that is the current. But hopefully, if you move through this process, you can, as Bruce Feeler says, you can come out better on the other side and really grow from this quote unquote life quake or this curveball that life has thrown you. And one of the last things that I do want to leave you with, because I know for me, this has been something that constantly allows me to get a different perspective and reframe stuff is just leaning on gratitude. No matter how bad something is in your life, no matter how crappy it feels, 
and not to say that no one's pain is greater or lesser than anyone else's, but there's always something to be grateful for. If you can just find the little things that you're grateful for, a roof upon your head, food on your table, a hot shower, it makes all the difference in framing where you are in your life and knowing that you can move forward to a greater place. Yeah, that's a that's a great call out. I also lean on gratitude a lot. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is hard. Like life is not easy. And one of the things I always remind myself of when things are tough is we didn't sign up for it to be perfect. And Glennon Doyle, who's an author, calls it brutal. She says it's brutal and it's beautiful. And that's totally how life is, right? There are brutal moments and there are beautiful moments. But something that I've found a lot of peace in is looking back on my life and recognizing that I can connect the dots when I look back. I can go, oh, that happened, and then that happened, and that happened, and that's how I got where I am now. But in the moment, I was going, oh my God, in the middle of a life quake, I'm going, I don't know what to do with myself, and how is this happening, and I'm spinning out of control. But it's only when you look back a lot of times that you actually are able to find that meaning, connect the dots, and recognize that it's all happening for you. So, you know, hopefully whatever your life quake is that you're in now, or, you know, the ones you've had, or God forbid, the ones coming your way, hopefully this is something that can support you through the process of being in your life quake. And thank you so much for coming with us on this journey if you listen to us a lot, you know where to find us. But if you don't, you can find us on iTunes, on podcast app, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, and you can find our newsletter on LinkedIn. So we will see you all next time and hope you have a great day.